Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chapter Tactics. This is the 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, Mr. Pablo, and with me I have three regular co-hosts who really don't need an introduction. However, if you're new to the podcast, here they are anyways. We've got Skari. Hello, hello. Welcome to Chapter Tactics. Let's, uh... Let's get this party rolling. This is a good one today. This is. This is going to be a great episode today. And I also have Mr. Brandon, the android, Grant. Too real. Also, good to be back. And then finally, I have Peter, the wish I had more stats to be relevant Falcon. Mm. Yes. No, oh, I'm just joking, buddy. Uh, so the reason why I brought these three on is they are all definitely the most in tune with whatever semblance of their is of a meta out there. So 40k meta, if you don't know, is when you have a bunch of different armies, or as how I define it, um, we have a bunch of different armies, what everyone is generally playing, what the trends are, what players are using, etc., etc. So... We don't have much, obviously, because there haven't been any tournaments because of COVID-19. However, there are rumblings of top-tier lists being thrown around on Tabletop Simulator. There are still excellent, excellent podcasts and battle reports of lists that people are playing and trying out. And I think that going into the summer, we're going to see some people come up with some very interesting lists. Uh, Don is already, I've heard teaching his young daughter how to make unique lists. I think she's painting up Hellblades and whatever obscure Chaos Forge World stuff he can get his hands on already. And if you haven't caught on, if you haven't read the t- got from the title, uh, we are going to be talking about different off-meta lists and factions that we think you guys and gals should be focusing on. Uh, things that aren't necessarily on the radar. So if you tuned into this expecting to find the latest and best Iron Hands or Space Marine top tier list, or what's good with Eldar, etc., etc., Although I think Eldar are actually becoming a little bit of a dark horse, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, this is not the episode for you. We're going to be talking about factions that people don't necessarily think of as the most powerful factions and why they are actually good. Um, so even though we're not playing a lot, I think it is a good time to be getting into 40k and making lists and trying out new ideas. All right, before you do that, head on over to the Frontline Gaming Network where you can listen to all of our podcasts, including... Signals from the Frontline, Chapter Tactics, and The Art of War, and then eventually maybe 40k Stats Center when they decide they want to put up a fun episode with some crazy content. Also, you can go over to FrontlineGaming.org, purchase stuff, buy lots of goodies. Um, I believe we just announced, uh, made a big announcement with uh, customers, so if you're a customer, a repeat customer of FrontlineGaming.org, check that out as well. Alright, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, what sparked this podcast um, was there was an article put out on Frontline Gaming uh, via the Art of War about uh, Dark Angels, um, how to make Dark Angels as a faction better, and it got me to talking to a few of my friends in the Tabletop Simulator universe, and essentially, long story short, uh, I hopped on Wahapedia. If you don't know what that is, it's a, basically a large database of all of the rules and FAQs and points put into a very easily sortable kind of website uh, for every faction. Uh, and I kind of did a deep dive into Wahapedia, looked at a bunch of cool stuff, realized that there are some really 
powerful things that I hadn't thought of and um, we hadn't really seen because there haven't been any tournaments. And so I wanted to talk about them on the podcast. Uh, so we're going to be talking about various factions and various lists that we think are underrated. And um, so that's it. We're just going to jump right into it. Uh, the first thing I really want to talk about is actually Sisters of Battle. Because I feel like they've, ever since they've been released with Plastic Sisters, they've been flying under the radar. Um, and I, I haven't I haven't decided if it's because people are trying to figure them out as an army or if it's because they're they're people haven't bought the models or maybe they're just not as good as as people thought they were i don't know but brandon you are the resident sisters of battle expert and the things i found out about miracle dice and what you can do with that army are actually really crazy i actually don't think they even have one good list i think they have a couple good lists um so why don't you talk a little bit about what you use uh with sisters on tabletop simulator and kind of like what are the good key highlights of the army that make it work uh, so first of all, sisters have, I think this was covered elsewhere, the best melee unit in the game per point. Uh, sisters Repentia in a Bloody Rose detachment. So on the charge, they get something like four attacks that hit um, when you roll average. So four hits per model at strength eight, uh, AP four, two damage with plus one to wound, and reroll ones to wound. So if you are toughness seven or less, each model wounds you four times at two damage AP4. And you can have nine models in a unit. So yeah, they hit extremely hard. Because uh, here, take uh, 72 damage at AP4 with nine models. So, um, yeah, that's kind of gross. It's now, disgusting. Um, I've, I've uh, seen them played. I've played them. Um, and they are, and they're durable, too. Surprisingly durable. Yeah, they're only one wound. But they have a 5-plus Feel No Pain save. And they have a 6-plus Shield of Faith save, which is an invulnerable save. And if they're near characters, like Celestine or a Warlord with the... Um, improvement to your shield of faith warlord trait they can have a four up and vulnerable if you're really at the up there so a four up five up is equivalent to a three plus and vulnerable save so uh yeah that's gross now of course you're not really factoring in the cost of all those supporting characters because you need a minister and priest to give them four attacks um you need to be a pure sisters army to have the sixes to hit or extra hits um, in melee trait from Sacred Rites. Um, you need to have Celestine and a Warlord with the plus and Volora near them. Um, yeah, and you need to spend command points on them to make them really efficient. The two that you need to be aware of are the command point to make them charge even though they advanced and the command point to give a Bloody Rose plus one to wound in melee. So the thing that gets gross with them is their move six infantry. Okay, that's fine. Now I'm going to put them in a rhino. So when they disembark, they get three inches away plus their width of their 28 millimeter base. So let's just round up and call it um, 4.3 inches. So, okay, 4.3 plus 6, 10.3 inches of disembark from the rhino. That's not bad. Well, I mentioned you can advance and still charge. And when you advance, you can use a miracle die. 
So assuming that you have a six for a miracle die, now you're 16.3 inches away from your rhino. And now you spend a CP and then they can still charge. And then when you charge, if you have fives and sixes you on your miracle dice, you can use those for the charge distance. So if you're generating enough miracle dice, it's extremely reliable for them to move something like 25 to 26 inches and still make the charge 100% of the time, which is just gross. Because um, 40K is usually like, oh, yeah, there's like a 10% chance that something could go wrong. And you're like, no, no, I have miracle dice. I just make it. Yeah, so uh, to interject here a little bit, because uh, there's a lot, I, I, there's more to this Miracle Dice shenanigans than, than you're letting on. However, uh, one thing that I have noticed also is people aren't taking generally a lot of uh, models to kill rhinos and kill like T7 vehicles. And so other armies that can take advantage of the the close combat unit in a transport are things like uh, Skitari, and chaos chaos space marines are in particular very good at it you can put possessed in rhinos you can put death guard uh plague marines with plague axes and rhinos which can oh, hurt yeah. really hard oh, you can plague put flails those plague death flails. guard hits so hard oh yeah uh and and it's it's something that i i've seen people trending away from and also i don't want to say the death of knights however peter you can attest to this knights have not been doing well uh, people have been taking them less and less they've been performing less and i would even argue that they're they're either off meta or potentially out of the meta um just just with kind of the advent of space marines and so with knights kind of gone and chaos knights uh, I think that if you were to build like a rhino spam list with good close combat units or some sort of vehicle heavy list, I actually think that in itself is somewhere to look into as well. So if you're a, a faction that's struggling or if you if you have a player, if you're a player and you want to try something new, I would maybe look into some really good vehicle lists or like sisters, which, which is back to back to sisters and back to Brandon's um, analysis. Sisters do vehicles very, very well. So uh, to expand a little bit on that, um, there's a really good podcast that just started up a couple of weeks back called The Sister Act. It's it's done by a couple of really, um, <laughs> really uh, enthusiastic uh, sisters players, uh, Mitch Beard and Rob Helton. Um, and they, they talk in depth with a lot of uh, competitive sisters players. I believe their first episode they had on Pajama Pants and um, oh, who was the other person they had on? Uh, name escapes me, and they've ha- and they've been talking to Matt Robertson, who's uh, like the premier uh, Sisters of Battle player right now. Um, so it's a really good podcast to listen to if you're interested in competitive Sisters. Um, Matt Robertson, uh, for example, is I believe undefeated right now uh, for what we do have for those three months where we were actually playing Warhammer competitively. Um, he went like three zero and two at uh, the Battlefield Birmingham hundred person major. Um, he went 4-0-1 at another event. I believe he 5 0 and uh, almost perfect scored all of his games at the Belgian team tournament with Sisters. And he, uh, I'm told he was put into some pretty terrible matches and just didn't care. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff. Um, you were talking about some of the, the sneaky shenanigans. I mean, Robertson has been playing the Triumph of St. Catherine um, in his lists and just uh, stomping people's faces. And a lot of people thought that that, that uh, unit on first blush, wouldn't uh, be competitive, right? They thought it'd just be a centerpiece model you'd paint. Um, but he makes it work just because there's so much threat uh, that is so cheap in a sister's list, uh, Even not, uh, not even including Repentia, which he runs 27 of them in almost all his lists. Um, 
Bloody Rose, uh, Seraphim, and Zephyrim are also disgusting um, because they get that extra AP, uh, minus one AP on their pistols for the for the Seraphim, so they can drop zone clear like nobody's business. Um, and it's very easy to keep Celestine up with them. So they're rocking a four plus invuln all the time because I believe they is it the Zephyrim or the Seraphim have the base five plus. They both do. Yeah, so they always will have a four plus invuln when she's around. Um, and it's that's only like half your army to run, you know, like 20 some odd uh, Zephyrim, 20 some odd uh, Seraphim, and still have your 27 Repentia. And you still have points to spare to put in big monster things like a Triumph, two or three Rhinos, get a Repentia Superior for the uh, reroll charges. Um, it's it's a very disgusting list, and the threat overload is absolutely insane in it. I know when the book first came out, a lot of people were leaning on Valorous Heart as being the most competitive way to play it, and I did see some kind of like middling results, um, like four and two, I believe, at LVO, a couple others, um, and people have been still allying Valorous Heart because Valorous Heart, in case people aren't aware, you can get up to uh, AP minus two ignored. Um, and there's not a lot of uh, AP minus three that gets spammed out there. So if you want to run a ton of uh, like battle sister bodies, it's very hard to move them. Um, that being said, you don't kill a lot in that list. So that's where it struggles. Um, but yeah, sisters of battle. If people thought that they weren't very good, um, they were they were grossly mistaken. I would like to believe. I would hope to believe. Um, that their main reason why we haven't seen a lot of their plays because it's mostly new models and if you uh, and very few people would have had the older metal ones because they were a billion dollars uh, to buy them online. Yeah, based on the way you're describing it, going a pure bloody rose army is certainly one of the valid approaches. Yeah, the other valid approach is doing a mixed approach of Valorous Heart and Bloody Rose. And um, um, sorry, that, now it, the problem with that, of course is that uh, ignoring AP2 only goes so far. And once you face someone like a guard army, where they have a bunch of plasma cannon spawns and tank commanders, and they can take the tank ace ability to make all their turret weapons plus one AP to put the battle cannons into the AP3 range, you're going to start losing some Valor's Heart very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, and Scions with Lambda Lions are all AP-3 is another example. Yep. Or four. So it starts becoming a problem when someone can actually spam enough AP3 to break through that. So if you're going to do that, you kind of need the 4++ as well. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you can't do that on an Exorcist. So the current Valorous Heart build, where you take three Exorcists and a Canoness to buff them with an Imagifier, it doesn't really work that well into a Mass AP 3 or 4, simply because your Invulnerable save doesn't do anything, and your AP 2 Ignore doesn't do anything, and it's almost impossible to hide the darn things. So that build is probably disappearing. And based on what you're describing in my experiments, Valor's Heart Infantry are nice. They're just not very efficient at killing anything. So at that point, if your opponent's smart, they just focus the Bloody Rose element of the list down, and then you stop being able to remove their models. So exactly. a full Bloody Rose list, I definitely see that becoming the list. And right now it seems like a dark horse, but only because everyone's currently hobbying like mad to build mm-hmm. their full Bloody Rose list. So expect to see more of that after we start opening up our big events to keep playing again. And Everyone the one thing I would it. add um, is you would I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if you see a small um, Ebon Chalice detachment just to get that um, the automatic trait. six. Yeah, the automatic six. It's also D3 command points. Yes, exactly. So, so two, those two things are just like... Just take a cake. battalion of Ebon Chalice with yeah. uh, Canonus with the Warlord trait 
uh, Celestine, and three five-man sister squads, and you're done. Yep. It's super cheap. You're going to be taking Celestine anyway, and she's not faction-locked, or, or you know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter um, for that. Or Celestine or the Triumph. Yep. And then the other thing you can do um, is um, you can, like, the go back, going back to Bloody Rose, that uh, Bloody Rose Canonist with the uh, Relic Chainsword um, is... Auto-take. Just massive, like, 45 points to just kill, like, pick up eight Primaris Marines, like nothing, uh, in, a cl- in close combat. Like, nothing. It's so cool. Yeah, something like 10 attacks at strength 4, plus 1 if you're near an Imagifier, AP 3, 2 damage. Yeah. Just gross. And you to give her the Warlord trait even if she's not the warlord for one command point, where she rerolls charges. Mm-hmm. And on the first round of combat, she rerolls to wound. Yes. And she, she just wrecks. I believe it's eight Primaris Marines she picks up. Maybe yeah, it's, it's seven, but it's still... It's quite nasty. And I think that, however, even though it is really good, Sisters of Battle do tend to have like a, a skill cap. There are a lot of moving parts. And they oh, will be... Heck yes. You know, you have to t- keep track of your of you know miracle dice. You have to keep track of your command points. You have to keep track of so many different overlapping things that if you're if you have the sort of like mental capacity to really understand and and really digest all that information, the scissors are going to be a great army. But if you get overwhelmed easily at like all the little confusing little tiny moving parts because they all have a big impact on the way the army plays, then you you might have a a hard time like really squeezing the juices out of that list. Correct. Like even the CP abilities in that list are, that are so crucial. If you're spending CP on rerolls or auto pass morales, you're going to run out of CP for the important stuff when you really need it. And that list really relies on CP and miracle dice to function at full efficiency. On top of it's melee dependent, and melee is the most crucial movement that you can possibly do in 40k. So if you're a really good player. That list is insane. But if you're just starting the hobby, it's not really going to perform to its full potential because it requires that micromanagement. And and I I do want to add a caveat here. A a lot of lists that are are really good and um, not seen very often do have those those same kind of attributes. Uh, Good players can really take them really far and players with a little less experience in the list uh will make mistakes uh think think like also like richard siegler and um oh my gosh they they both dominated i already forgot last year's itc season i quit oh, you mean jim vessel samwise gamgee no, no no the two the two tau players excuse the me two tau, oh you mean brian Pullen. brian Pullen, thank yeah, you so brian much Pullen uh, and siegler. so so though that rip that list that they ran although on the surface looked very very simple with the three of tides, a ton of shield drones, it was actually a very complicated list to play, and it's actually why I, I suspect why you didn't see it top four a lot. Um, that's just because Brian and Richard just played it the hell out of it. They knew sure. it so well. Um, um, if so- you go and watch Charity Hammer, uh, there's like a tutorial game that Richard does with Zach Nelson uh, using the list, and Zach's actually had put a number of uh, reps in with it previously, and it's actually pretty funny to watch. I, I was sitting there uh, manning the the computer at the time. Um, but just to watch like Siegler explain like every little detail to Zach, um, and Zach every time we'd do anything, he'd be Richard be like, "Why are you doing that? No, here, this is why." And it was always like these these like you know next level plays where you had to think you know two or three rounds ahead, and that's how that list often played was you know this is how you survive until you can do this next thing. Don't try to do what you're trying to do now. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, it's very intriguing to watch a, like a list like that get played out. Yeah, absolutely by a master. Uh, 
yeah so so keep that in mind if you if you try out some of these lists um either with a buddy garage hammer or on tabletop simulator or when tournaments do start coming back up you don't start seeing results uh just keep at it keep keep at the reps with the these particular lists um there's always going to be uh a higher learning curve with off metal lists uh, but they're also, I think, more rewarding, which I think is why a lot of people tend to gravitate towards like the snowflake lists and the off metal lists, uh, just because they do they do end up being more rewarding than your typical net list. Yeah, um, not to say that net we're more is apt bad, to talk about them online. That's also true. Yes, if you're the guy that wins with well, maybe not with Grey Knights anymore, but but if you were the guy who won with Grey Knights two years ago, we definitely talked about you at some point. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so if, if you don't mind, Brandon, did you did you have any thoughts on sisters? Uh, if not, I, I'd like to. I'd like to proceed. Um, I think that be aware that they're a dark horse list because not everyone's running them right now. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be as made of busting as Space Marines, but you should expect to see them in tournaments once tournaments resume. Absolutely. Now, with the exception of when Space Marines were really popular, I would actually say a dark horse list is has a usage or play rate of like below 5%. So even even some of the like top factions uh used last year didn't you know didn't go above 10 15 percent not right, even Peter? close not yeah, even close but, um most it really uh, until marines broke everything um five was kind of like the norm outside of uh, guard and knights right uh, imperial knights were very popular so they'd be about mm-hmm. 10 to 12 and guard were generally around the same uh, but most other factions, five to six percent was kind of like the norm. Even Marines, which were still really, really popular despite not being very good, um, were sat at about five percent of the meta up until you know the the codex dropped and they jumped to like twenty five, thirty percent. Yeah. So and right now, sisters are far below five percent. Yeah, they were. Uh, I would they generally around one to two percent of the meta uh, week yeah. to week. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, let's go ahead and move on. Scary, uh, you've been quiet. Uh, I, know, I know you've been contemplating and biding your time like a good Archon should. Do you have a list or do you have any armies that you want to point out as kind of Dark Horses or, or uh, hidden OP lists? I think um, the one of the lists that I saw doing well was Guardless with a lot of Scions. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of Imperial players you know, tend to overlook the scions or, or kind of like brush them off as an element. Yeah, I know, Brandon, you probably have a lot more information on like scions just in general. However, the amount of damage output, point for point efficiency, tactical flexibility with movement, deep striking, you know, uh, speed, that sort of thing, combined with, you know, a core of Astro Militarum with high damage, good AP and board control. I think there's something to be said about the traditional, so like Imperial Guard, Astromotarum Army, that is not something you see being like, yes, let's take this to win every GT. But if you're not prepared for it, it will it will flatten you. And, and it's something that you need to have a game plan against. Uh, real quick, because I know Brandon has a lot to say. Uh, you're absolutely right, Scary. I've also been noticing Scion lists pop up too, especially with the new Greater Good book that just came out. Uh, the Scions got a lot of cool stuff in that book. Um, actually, I don't think it's the newest one. I think I don't count the Space Wolf one because they half released it because then they shut down their warehouses before most people get theirs. However, uh, the Greater Good or the Psycho Awakening book that had the Scions in it. Uh, did give them a lot of cool stuff, and people forget that at the beginning of Eighth Edition, Scions were really, really good. 
the the Toroxes were really strong. The deep striking command squads with plasma were really powerful. Oh, I didn't forget Pablo. I won uh, well, a couple <laughs> events with those lists. That's that's true, Brandon. That's absolutely true. However. Uh, they have fallen by the wayside so much so that I would definitely say even just taking any a, a single Scion unit in your army now, like for example this past LVO, yeah, and doing well with that army would have definitely gotten your list some notice just because they're so rare now compared to how they were at the beginning oh, of the yeah. edition. But they haven't changed much other than no, getting they changed more a stuff. Ton. Other yeah. than oh, getting oh. more stuff from the the Psychic Awakening. Whoa. No, the Psychic it, Awakening totally redid them. It was like going bonkers. from Index Imperium to a Codex. Oh, 100%. They, 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 like, the amount of stratagems, Warlord traits, just, like, there's such crazy combos you can, yeah. like, squeeze out of Yeah, that. if you have the CP, you can make them super efficient. So I'm sorry. What, what I meant was their their units haven't changed much. So their Toroxes still shoot like crazy. They still have the deep striking plasma. Oh yeah, they, they didn't the get orders. any new, new units. They just yeah, got but, a bunch of CP abilities, yes. warlord traits, and relics. That's what but, I meant. I was yeah. that's what I was going with when I. But it completely my changed how they played, right? Yeah. Um, because so, like it's not just plasma bombs you see anymore. Um, Nicholas Weiss won the Two Rivers GT, and he ran about 800. I think it was 750 ish points of scions. Uh, just before everything uh, stopped playing, uh, like it was probably like a week before, and um, like he was running Lambda Lions, he had forty Scions in the list, uh, two plasma bombs, and two of the um, oh the hell guns, the uh, what are volley they guns. Them? Yeah, two squads with the volley guns, I believe. Or was he? Or no, no, he ran pure plasma. I'm thinking of myself because I love the volley guns on Lambda. Oh, volley Lions. guns are great, but with the um, Capic Eagles. Oh yeah, you don't run them with the Lambda because Lambda has that uh, multi- the mortal wound strat, right? Yeah, Lambda's nice. Anyway, continue. I was just like, we we have seen them uh, already produce, produce results, and it was only like a week into uh, Greater Good being allowed to be played, and we didn't see much, you know, after that. So um, they definitely are a very strong uh, addition to any army. Yes. Now, there's still T3 4-up armor infantry with leadership 7 base. Um for seven points a model before you start adding on all those special weapons. So when it comes to toughness, they're paper, especially compared to guardsmen, because for three fewer points a model, you just lose one point to your armor save. So scions are not something with staying power at all, um, especially in a meta where Devastator and Tactical Doctrines on bolters just completely invalidate their armor save. So... <sighs> The thing that's made them really good is all the different abilities that they've been added to. So, for example, um, Iotan Dragons just add six inches to the range of their rapid-fire weapons. Which, which I think is amazing. It's that their hotshot guns actually rapid-fire when they come out of reserve, because they have a 12-inch rapid-fire instead of a 9. So they're their normal guns. That's what I mean. That's what he's talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah, yeah. The hotshots. Yeah. Not so the volley guns. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what you take with just regular hot shots and suddenly first rank fire second rank fire you have 36 ap2 shots coming at bs3 from a 70 point unit plus a commander so that's a great way to just take minimum equipment and make them pretty darn good or you take capic eagles and you put them in transports so when they come out they get plus one to hit and they ignore the penalty for moving and firing heavy weapons with their infantry squads you just take a bunch of hot shot volley guns um, and they're just going to spit out a ton of firepower. And you combine that with the relic that sits next to the hotshot volley guns so that when you try and charge that squad, if they score any hits, you have your charge distance. So 
you can do a lot of great board control against melee armies with Capic Eagles. Or you were talking about Land and Lions, where they get the Mortal Wound strat. So if you just want the maximum possible damage from a unit out of reserve into something that has a good save, then there you go. Especially if you dropped them out of a Valkyrie um, that had moved forward in a previous turn so that they get, you know, three inches away from the enemy and all the Meltas, or not even Meltas at that point, but just everything is in maximum shot range, you're going to put out a lot of mortal wounds. So, and then you combine that with all the strats they got, where if I remove a model from your unit with one unit, I can make all my other Scion units plus one to wound that unit. Insane. Um, I can make the regular uh, LAS guns, the hot shots or the hotshot volley guns, strength plus one if I'm in half range. Um, I can get an extra Warlord trait. Guard could never get an extra Warlord trait before. Um, they're a full-fledged codex now. They're at least as powerful as the Guard codex, and you should definitely expect to see them in Guard lists and even as allies. Um, because, again, they have the Guard keyword, so all the Guard Warlord traits and abilities overlap with Scions significantly. So if you want to give your Warlord old grudges, all the Scions can come in and reroll to wound on something. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. It's pretty sad. Yeah, the, the amount of stuff they get is just so. Be prepared for uh, needing screens because if you do not have screens and the shions show up next to the stuff that is important to you, they're not going to let it survive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as for as for um, allies, uh, are there any good allies? Or are you just running pure astromilitarium scion lists? Uh, right now, all my theory crafting has been with pure lists, so pure mm -hmm. sisters, pure guard. But again, guard is so varied now with the custom regiments and scions that you can take three battalions of guard that all play differently. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and they have access to other really good units too. You could probably maybe splash in Bulgrin, you can splash in outflanking Lehman Rust tank commanders, you which can are even really good. Throw an Inquisitor in there. I mean, uh, Inquisitor yeah. Eisenhorn is a beat stick in melee, so if you mm -hmm. want a smash captain without breaking guard, you can bring him. Mm. Yeah, and then, you know, that that one time per game when you summon his little demon host, oh, just for the lore purposes. <laughs> that's I don't even care. <laughs> well, not only that, but for 25 points or whatever, being, being good, essentially that, that like thing's a, a little beat prince? stick as well. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, we talked about two Imperium factions. Peter, do you have a non-Imperium faction to talk about? No, they're all bad. All Imperium. No, that's uh, a lie. That's, that's not true at all. <laughs> um, there's a lot, like there's a lot of really good stuff going on um, behind the scenes right now. Orcs um, are absolutely terrifying to me. Uh, post uh, Saga of the War of the Beast, Saga of the Beast, whatever it was called. I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. Um, Saga of the Beast. You got it, it right. Yeah, because like they're they have so many neat tricks. Um, I mean that uh, if you if you've watched any of like Steve Pamprine's games or seen any of the like um, the post match talk uh, from his like tabletop simulator games, it's hilarious the stuff they're capable of doing now. Um, that Burnabama uh, spend a CP and just like kill everything in a circle. Super explosion. Wounds. It's yep. so good. Um, and then like I know people that are playing with tricks to to combo it, so you blow up two at once. And um, I know Nick Rose super enjoyed that when it happened to him. <laughs> um, I mean, you can even if you want to put a, a ton of re resources into it, you can make a Stompa actually do damage. Although you're probably better off doing it with a Morkonaut or a Gorkonaut well, um, with well, some of the combos. That's... 
too uh, off whoa, meta, Peter. Stompa? That's, too yeah. off meta. You're Dial gonna, it back. You're going to set some people off here. <laughs> this know, isn't I the know. hipster cast. This... Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, no, there's some really, really um, incredible stuff uh, coming from orcs. And orcs were already in a pretty decent spot uh, coming into the book. Um, they are one of those like really... Um, They've always been a faction that like the best players can get a ton out of, uh, but they have a lot of uh, a lot of you know bad players or players that you know just want to have a beer. So it's hard to t- it's always been hard to tell statistically how good they were, other than you know looking at how many events they were winning or or you know top fouring consistently. Um, but I would really take a hard look at orcs uh, when this thing is all said and done. The theory crafting coming out of some of these guys is pretty intense. I've seen some pretty awesome stuff. Um, GSC, uh, just before everything kind of crashed down, we were seeing the, um, the buggy list, uh, showing up more and more. It placed, I think, second and third at, at an event in Canada, the Barry Bash. Yep. Um, and that's, and with two variations of it, right? One was running more NID focused. One was running, um, pretty much pure GSC, but all jackals. Um, yep. and that list has, has super legs. Um, Tyranids are probably like just the about biggest, to say Tyranids, <laughs> probably the biggest dark horse period. Um, because I think initially, um, their psychic awakening was seen as like dead garbage compared to everybody else's like blood angels got on like on paper, just so many more, uh, like better upgrades and people were still reeling from how, like what the chaos space or what the space marine codex did and faith and fury did that when that came out people were like oh nobody likes nids but now that kind of things have settled and we've had enough faqs to bring everything in line um nids are look so good and they've put up like stupid results a lot of top fours i believe they're yeah. sitting at almost a 60 percent win rate um in the last three or four weeks of results we had yeah, the the other thing about Tyranids too is as um as uh, as Jeff used to say on the podcast famously, Tyranid players This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. They're not the best players in the world. They're the tiered <laughs> mains. They're just, you guys, You know, we love you. We love you, Bugs. But uh, however, when you get a top player like John Lennon, Nick Rose, Nick Navati, who played uh, Matt Root, uh, historically, Tyranids, when they have had really good hard to run lists, with exception of the Flyer and Spam, we'll just ignore. So actually, we'll take Matt Root off that list and yeah, see one with Matt Flyer and Spam. <laughs> however, however, uh, Historically, when they've had a really good list, you've seen them do well, uh, especially at events like like uh, ATC, ETC. Um, not the LVO; they, the, you know, they haven't done very well at the LVO. However, other events they've done really well at, and so um, I think this these lists are no exception. They, they still have, they have some all star units like Zoanthropes, for instance. Zoanthropes put out so many mortal wounds, and they're actually really hard to kill. They have the fly keyword, so they can kind of get these weird angles on things and pump out mortal wounds. Obviously, they still have access to Hive Guard. But the other thing that uh, Nick Nadavati was talking about this year's LVO, or he mentioned briefly, was that. Horde armies, uh, 
might be able to make a comeback. People aren't bringing the amount of firepower uh, that they they can bring, right? Uh, Ultramarines aggressors aren't very common. Bolter spam isn't very common. So if you can bring kind of like an Australian horde meta combined with some of the nasty things, the nasty singular units the Tyranids can provide, you can you can definitely with solid play take a Tyranid list all the way. So yeah, uh, keep I that agree. in mind. Yeah. And if you look at the top uh, the top list results we were getting out of Nid players and like Forces of the Hive Mind uh players, they were all over the place, right? We saw Turvagons uh come back. Um mm-hmm. Tyranid Warrior spam was probably the most Oh successful. my god, they're so good. Uh, I didn't even talk I about say spam. Warriors. I shouldn't say spam. I like usually it's like one large squad, but they're taking advantage of so many of the new buffs. Yeah, uh, it's it, one of those things where psychic awakening just bre- like put new life into you know, just a bunch of those units, and yeah, and it may be I, like I don't I like to add a little bit of salt because I know there's going to be some Tyranid players out there. They're like they're still bad. It could just are. be. It could just be, guys. You might be right. It could be that people haven't seen these things in so long. They just forgot what they did, and that's why they <laughs> lost. Right? It's some you, your like buddy played a Malaceptor. Pablo looked at it, was like, whatever. That can't kill anything. Oh and God. then he lost an entire Supreme Command to it. <laughs> Unless um, it's Pablo, of course, in which uh, case it'll kill my whole oh, army. And oh, my to God. be fair, like I don't think they're great, but we are seeing a lot more Maliceptors because they got that stratagem for the, I believe it's like minus one to hit or whatever in Ugh. a bubble. Um, so that's super good. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of really neat stuff out there. I'm, I am super excited for where the meta sits and I really want everything to start again, just so we can see how it ends up playing out. Um, yeah. I do believe there's a couple t- like super top tier armies that are probably like a an A tier. I wouldn't go as far as say S tier, but like they're like an A tier, probably a little bit better than everybody else. Um, but I think that the next level is not that far off from them, um, to the point where we w- I think we'll have like a really really good. We're we're in a really good place when we come back. That's that's the crossed fingers hope. Who knows what's happening in Florida? Like maybe they've taken enough crocodilian that they're just going to come out with another <laughs> disgusting list that's going to rock everybody's world, and we'll have to you know be afraid and scared again. Um, but I'm hopeful. I really like where we're at. Uh, I get really excited talking about these like quote unquote dark horses because I'm already seeing them uh, pop out with crazy results. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and to your point, Peter, about the um, the. Uh, disappointment about the seasons i'm also disappointed these psychic awakening books were supposed to fix the factions that weren't space marines so to speak quote unquote um and when they first started coming out i was really skeptical but as they started rolling into the lvo i got really excited because the rules were actually pretty good right Mm -hmm. so i was excited for everyone to get their uh psychic awakening book and then right when you know adepticon got hit which is supposed to be the real start to the season our first super major um, obviously, COVID nineteen had something to say about it. I think COVID nineteen is secretly like a Space Marine player. <laughs> you know, they're like, "Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to end on top. So <laughs> let's yeah, just maybe. cancel the yeah, season." Maybe. So everyone forget. Anyway, just just joking. Um, uh, I don't mean to make too much light of it. It's just, you know, I, I think I've definitely got the um isolation bug going a little oh, stir dude. crazy over here dude i'm isolated on top of isolated at first it was okay because i was like this is what i normally do but now i'm starting you know you're begging like, wild polar bears for hugs dude a month and a half into homeschooling my kids i have three children people um like a month and a half into that and just no break of it it's 
it's getting it's getting to me. It's getting to me. I'm starting to oh, see man. things. I'm going out. I'm going to work and being like, I'm so glad I'm going to talk to somebody. And then of course nobody's flying airplanes because um, viruses. So I'm actually not. So I'm just sitting in a tower for like 12 hours talking to I, I myself. Just, I just funny. imagined like some guy flying in like important medicine from from the south up farther north, and he flies into Peter's airport, and he's like, Oh, niner niner. Um, I I've got an important you know, package your cargo. Oh, I gotta yeah. uh, get this thing in here. And then Peter's like, "Oh yeah, sure. Take take highway runway one or whatever." And then pause. So how's your day going? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You should you should start working for you should start working for Nav Canada. You've pretty much got our radio telephony down pat. Oh yeah, I've That's got exactly I've got all of that. Like. <laughs> That's <laughs> there's a little bit more uh, apology thrown in there. I imagine in Radio Canada and some A's. But but yes, I imagine yeah. that's what that's what it's like. But it, joking aside, um, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and jump on moving to the next faction. So I wanted to talk about uh, two factions. Um, one I had a question to the panel first: uh, Is Chaos Space Marines is are they considered a top tier list? Top tier factions, not specifically the possessed bomb, but things other than possessed bombs, or just is that faction just good to go? Definitely still top tier. Definitely not dark horse. I feel like. I s- they're still top tier. Okay, so yes, I thought. I agree. But it, I feel like there's dark horse elements to them simply because there's so many soups you can put yeah. together oh, with yeah. chaos that some weird stuff can come out of so, that field. So, yeah. so what? What? I, then what I'll say about that real, real quickly is if you're a chaos player, uh, there there are a few good top tier chaos lists that everyone is going to be gravitating towards. However, your faction has so many combos in it. It mm-hmm. is stupid how many little tiny things little tiny combos you can come up with so if, if you're i i would even argue that they probably have the most combos of any faction um yeah, I, I, I would i would say you're well right. they can get around so many of the you know normal limitations of this building you know yes. instead of using like keyword based and stuff like that and mm-hmm. psychic powers and there are there are a lot of things that they yeah. can do that yeah, other I, factions can. So hire. why do you bring this up, Pablo? Uh, well, I brought this up because uh, I was talking to a really good chaos player friend of mine um, who was just going over some of the really powerful uh, combos that you could do that people hadn't talked about. Things like plague flails, which uh, although Amazing. I think everyone here knows how good plague marines can potentially be, they're not well known. They're not used often mm-hmm. uh, because they're perceived as slow. The mortal uh, wound bomb grenades they can throw, or five oh, yeah. plague marines. Deal 15 mortal wounds to you this yeah. has been around yep. since the beginning of the edition uh, or actually since they've gotten their their codex however people don't talk about them a whole lot which is fair they they have fallen off of off of the radar yes. however you still have access to all of the stuff that the psych the first psychic waiting faith and fury got you which had so many so many good options on top of you have some of the best psychers in the game and you have some of the best horde elements in the game uh you have some really really solid troops uh you have really good bomb units not just possessed you also have uh occult terminators uh you have plague marine bombs you have a biker bombs which are still they're still they still can be good if you play them right um Mm -hmm. so they have a lot of cool tools and on top of that they still have access to vehicles tough creatures uh demon princes are still a thing um you know there's just there's a lot to like about the chaos faction uh and i actually don't think any, someone everyone's someone's figured it out yet like I, i'm waiting for some some uh you know like ever chosen 
you know, player of chaos to come out of the pandemic with the chaos list, right? Because I feel like even even when we had the LVO, I, I talked to some of the top cast players of the LVO, and I, even, I felt like even then they were like trying to make improvements. They were like, oh, I should have brought this instead of this instead of this. And I think that's part of why I think I think the reason why for that is because the faction has so many options. So anyways, long story short, I think Chaos Soup, I think that we haven't found the perfect soup yet for that list or the list. So until we do or until that list surfaces, um, I would say that unless it's a Possessed Bomb or one of the two top Chaos Base Brune lists, um, I, I want to. All a dark I want horse. to highlight something that you said there, which is sure. that you know players were adjusting, basically looking at different, uh, different like combos and things like mm-hmm. that. I think that's true for any of these sort of like dark horse factions. Yeah. They like the players that play these dark horse factions are always looking to constantly improve, get better. Yeah. You know, um, and that then that's just part of like the 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 mental capacity that goes into playing factions like that yeah and yeah. Uh, to add to the chaos space marine talk um like uh if you watch the art of war um they've been doing frequent ba- uh, battle reports and uh, end games on their channel and other than uh nick uh nick Nanavati's kind of uh oddly named um, female acquaintances that seem to text message him during games. Um, (laughs) There have been some really good stuff out of them. And Mark Perry um, is an absolute demon who runs the most off the wall lists and, and manages to show you just what certain things are capable of. Um, his noise marine list, uh, like noise marines, I think have always kind of been this uh, unit that a lot of people have talked about being awesome, but too expensive. Um, and now they've probably hit their time to shine because that those things do so much work with the with just the right mm-hmm. couple of buffs, and you can yep. see him play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dude, uh, on the channel, um, yeah, another looks like, like, looks like the, I lost Peter. He broke Rupert up. Marines Although uh, he got his points also in. Also scary. Um, that that combo, I think we didn't see enough of before everything shut down because, like, I think Manny Chima uh, came in second in an event. We saw a couple of wins with it. Um, because it is like the problem with the possessed bomb was like Grey Knights came out and they were so good at killing everything in in the first possessed bomb list variant, right? Because everything had the demon keyword, and Rubric Marines don't, so that solves that problem right there. Um, there's just so much good stuff that we haven't seen. Uh, to say it again, and to Scary's point, like the people playing Dark Horse lists, like they always are testing stuff. They they don't accept anything as being the best. Going back to Sisters of Battle, I know a lot of guys that have been. Uh, testing sisters playing the crap out of them and now they're like i'm t- i'm taking 30 celestians and i thought they were garbage and i think i was wrong <laughs> and like that because that's what you do you take a unit that you're like i think this thing is probably better but why not give it a go and then you see the value of that like that extra little whatever they give right so yeah yep so uh what one final uh one faction i want to talk about then um since uh in general chaos space marines they are considered top tier with the exception of the random off the wall chaos list, which you'll always see. Uh, so I want to talk about a space Marine faction. I know uh, and it's, it's not iron hands. It's not <clears throat> guard. It's not white scars. I want to talk about salamanders. So salamanders have always been good, but if, right, if, if you get to them, if you do this, if you do that, however, I have noticed that lists are starting to trend to come towards you more. Uh, they're not all doing it. However, I think if you have a 
good tough character salamanders have the ability to pop out one or two really tough characters um that definitely act as great counter assault units and you move up the board um you need uh i think in this coming meta you need an army that can get to the middle of the board hold it and survive which is something i think salamanders are really good at uh why i think they're better than iron hands is because they actually have a lot more damage output in those uh six inch to 18 inch range than iron hands do Iron Hands are really good. I think they'll still be probably better against a more variety of uh, lists and style of lists. Um, however, if we start to move away from the uh, Alpha Strike, uh, because everyone is... Raven God, I think, are probably... I think it's safe to say Raven God are probably going to be the most played top dog army now. Um, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. just Raven Guard Alpha Strikes. Blood Angels Alpha Strikes are really, really good. And what I'm seeing is is people are building their lists to prevent alpha strikes so that they're building their list either to beta strike and or they're building their list to to um, alpha strike harder or castle harder uh right um but the, the thing about the raven guard and the the blood angels list is even if you beta strike or even if you castle they're still going to get into your face so more people are bringing things like repentia possessed uh um, except Tyranid Warriors, things that, that are going to get good in the melee and can kind of counter-assault. So where Salamander's coming here is, uh, I'm noticing the game is slowing down more. Um, it started trending towards the end of the LVO. If you look at the top lists, turns one and two weren't as important as the final turns. Uh, even if you brought this crazy Alpha Strike list, like uh, I.e. Manny Chima, who was tabling people on turn two or three. Uh, so if you bring Salamanders, you bring a good defensive core Salamanders infantry list, uh, you move them up the board in the middle of the board. I think that's something that you should you could potentially look at. That's certainly something I'm going to be looking at. The one thing you want to look out for is everyone is killing space marine equivalent. Everyone is killing Primaris marine equivalent. Uh, so if people bring a lot of that, you might have to adapt uh, as a Salamanders player. But um, yeah, I think I think some sort of like mech or or infantry heavy salamanders list that pumps a lot of aggressors in the middle of the board with really tough characters and kind of plays for that turn six late game steal and a really conservative defensive game i think that's something that you should look into that's definitely something i'm looking into i do like um the salamanders detachment for that like unkillable uh bike captain because that guy is real stupid Yes. He is a uh, the, beast like, once he gets all worked up. When he's got his like toughness <laughs> seven and he minus one to be wounded, so basically like anything short of a las cannon isn't doing anything to him. Um, yep. It gets pretty gross with him on the board. Um, I was fiddling with a list that was pure salamanders that was like impulsor spam, but also brought um, the Spartan assault tank, so you could put yep. your assault centurions in it. Um, because that thing can hold six assault centurions and Vulcan. That's a that's a fun list. Because uh, if you can uh, keep your use your impulsors to keep people away from this uh, the Spartan tank until it gets to the middle of the board, whoo, whoo wee. Yep. That that does work when those assault centurions pop out with Vulcan. Mm, stuff just dies. Just everything yeah. dies. Yeah, but absolutely. There's and I mean assault and with the uh, salamander uh, like psychic abilities, you can make that Spartan tank. Um, Real tough to kill. You can make it like toughness nine with minus one to be hit, minus one to be charged, um, and then you've got your impulsors to push people away. Like it's great. I like. I think salamanders do have some play. I don't think they're top tier. I think you. I think you can make 
a salamander list work um, to some degree, for sure. I think people need to get away from the bodyguard strat, though. I think that's killing people. Is people are trying so hard to make that work as part of the yeah, list. Yeah, that's not going to work anymore. Yeah, that no, they it's, it's that not. they're not, that they're like they're missing the forest well, for the trees. Well, things die so quickly anyway yeah. that you yeah. can just kind of like clear that unit first and then kind of move on to something exactly. else. Speaking of yeah. pulsers, I do feel like that's another dark horse list. Is a melee based list that relies on four plus plus impulsors. Oh, I'll tell you those oh, space wolves, like um, MSU space wolf list with little five man intercessor units, and I know Cody Brown, who's um, has been running that. Well, yeah, they can uh, take so many smash captains that fit in uh, or around those transports as well. Yeah, well, not only that, but each intercessor sergeant, sergeant, yeah, each sergeant, sergeant has as many attacks as you know. Yeah, Ra- Ragnar uh, can get oh. like I think averages sixteen attacks with the one command point. So Jeez. oh yeah, like... it's a ton of AP three or four depending on if you're in the assault doctrine attacks. It's insane. Yeah, but it's I feel like my favorite part of Space Wolves is that everything heroically intervenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, really yeah. Good. So it gets gross when these transports get close, and you're like, I'm gonna screen your transports, and they're like, Well, we're gonna heroically intervene into your screen with my transports so that I can disembark on the other side of your unit and charge you. Oh, even the transports get to heroically. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Every well, unit. with the strat. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow, it's pretty oh, gross. You can do really some good. pretty funky things, and uh, to get off of space, well, I know we 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 were done with Imperium, but they're I have definitely to talk a dark horse list. Is Death Watch. Death Watch Ooh. got the most Uh-oh. stupid, boring Psychic Awakening update, and I'm hateful to GW over not giving them anything even remotely fluffy about it. Uh, so, you guys, if you're if GW's listening, I'm really <laughs> disappointed, and I hope you I hope that carries weight. Um, but man, it didn't matter. Like the one thing, I, and I, me, and I know some other people that play Death Watch talked a lot about was like even if they just got the Space Marine stuff, which they got, they were going to be real disgusting. So them getting Combat Doctrine. Um, and the fact that it stacks with special issue ammunition, they like uh, they just do so much damage. They do so much work. Um, a stalker bolt rifle squad, uh, nine stalkers with an aggressor. You can deep strike it if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, they ignore the penalty to move and shoot. Um, so you're getting nine stalker shots that are easily AP three if you uh, if you want like all the time. Um, but not only that, you know, you can spend three CP and just blow somebody up with uh, wounding on twos because of the uh, uh, because of the special issue ammunition. That alone is worth it to be able to drop. And if you really need to kill a character, they're going to take nine strength four AP two or three, depending on what you're doing. AP minus two shots to the face that are wounding on twos, no matter what your toughness is. Silly business. Um, they've got a lot of really good stuff. Their Stormbolter squads, also ridiculous now. The fact that they're going to be shooting you at AP minus one with the two plus to, uh, the two plus to wound uh, ammunition. Like, there's a lot of good stuff out of Death Watch. I would say that you're not going to see a lot of mono Death Watch doing amazing, but like a 900 or a thousand point detachment, um, you know, to get that super battalion, they're going to put out a lot of work. And if you're th- to go back to like the horde talk we were having, if Death Watch comes out as a thing because of this, like the horde meta just can't happen because of them. But yeah. anyway, it's because like they can kill so much stuff so fast. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I recently played against uh, like a new Death Watch army, and it was you know a couple of the classic veteran squads, and then a uh, a couple of like aggressor and intercessor squads. Yeah, because you can and... make those pretty dumb too. 
there you know the the psychic awakening was very subtle like it didn't really give them too much but i i feel like it did give them enough to stay relevant in my opinion doctrines and transhuman uh alone really like give them a lot the fact that they they get that uh, that additional ap so they don't have to think about whether they want to be doing two plus to wound on things rerolling ones to wound against whatever they're targeting pretty much because of their watchmaster and what they're choosing um the primary squads became a lot better i know anthony demore talked them up as the greatest thing since sliced bread but he was really the only one making them work uh prior um <laughs> now they can do stuff because like i said you have this nine man stalker st- squad with the aggressor you can do the mixed squads with like four aggressors and an inceptor and now you've got a uh, a squad that's majority toughness five um with you know most of them having three wounds apiece. they yep. they can do close combat super well they can deep strike in the middle of the board and now you have to deal with them plus all the extra bonuses they've got auto bolt rifles on their intercessors uh, outside of stalker it's really dumb like the yeah like they can they it's a ton of shots as well so like there's a lot of good stuff out of death watch i think they're i think they are the dark horse that uh, people need to be aware of if uh, in the right hands but not mono i don't think you can I'm I'm probably going to eat my words someday, but I don't think you can make Mono Death Watch super competitive. But you tag them with Blood Angels or Space Wolves, and you're you're what, what did uh, Reese once say? Now you're cooking with steam. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, so it, I think that that's gonna cut. Co- that's gonna cover it for the episode. Of course, we still have our patron questions. However, before we go into that, uh, I know you all are burning with these two questions. So first of all, to answer the first question, if your faction wasn't mentioned in this episode, I do apologize. We do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of all the factions, and uh, bad, by the nature, <laughs> by, no, by the know. nature yeah, of the Dark Horse, <laughs> you know they are also very hard to predict, but. I will say that your faction is either really good, if we didn't mention it, or really bad. Um, <laughs> or, you know what? If you think that probably should have mentioned your faction, then why don't you hop on Tabletop Simulator, crush Brandon Grant and Skari in some games of 40k, and um, maybe make them take notice. Yeah, anyone can play anyone now. Yeah. Also, 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 Grey Knights, Raven Guard... White Scars, Iron Hand, the Iron Curtain in particular, which I really love for a name for an army name. Uh, Eldar, um, those are your best. Chaos Space Marine possessed bomb spam things. That those are your top tier factions. So if you're if you're wondering a Blood Angels, if you're wondering uh, what the best lists are, and maybe because we didn't mention them, those are probably it. Those are the that I missed. Yeah. Who cares about the other ones? Somebody's going to be in the comments like, you didn't talk about company Oh, it happens every year. They're broken. Yes. And, and it's it, like, okay, cool. <laughs> and if you're, ta- <laughs> and if you're if you're wondering about Dark Angels, uh, we didn't mention them, but uh, there is a really good article on FrontlineGaming.org that talks about Dark Angels um, and what makes them tick and what, what they bring to the table as a faction, too. So Heresy check that out. makes them tick. Spoilers. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on to the end of the episode, as always, at the end of every episode, we like to open the door to our patrons. Surprise, we have a Patreon account. If you'd like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. I went went ahead and added that plug in to the end of the episode. We'll see how that format works. However, our patrons get access to lots of cool stuff, giveaways, exclusive content, and they get to ask us questions that we answer live at the end of every chapter tactics episode. This episode is no exception. And so for today, the first question comes from Mr. Josh. 
I think you have some lists of factions that are both very good, but also quite simple to play. For example, the classic Iron Hand lists had a very high skill, high skill ceiling, but also high skill floor. My question is, which factions or sub-factions do you think have a very high skill ceiling, but are sometimes seen as bad due to a very low skill floor? I.e. lists that have the potential to perform very well, but are very difficult to play. This is actually a really, really good question. I'll uh, step in. Shining Stairless. Yep, yep, that's that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a good one. And trending, any list that requires precise movement or has lots of movement mm-hmm. has a very low skill floor. Yeah, um, I also think Harlequins, um, maybe not in this meta, but traditionally in past meta, Har- Harlequins have been able to put up good numbers, but overall they've been perceived as bad because they're they're very uh fragile they <clears throat> they're very uh movement reliant um you definitely need to they're not forgiving uh so um so yeah any basically any faction um that is not durable uh that requires precise movement um and has very specific ways to kill things is always going to end up in that high skill ceiling low skill floor um, and it might be perceived as bad, but yeah, I can't think of any factions currently like right now in this meta. Maybe Gene Stealer, Adbeck, uh, Gene Stealer cults aren't there as well. Yeah, think I G- think yeah. Gene Stealer cults is a really good example now. I think yeah, they, when they, they have they a were... good seal, they have a high ceiling still. Yeah, but... I think yeah, that... they're still one of those that you need like a lot of practice with and yeah. understanding to make work properly and i think uh one thing i would add is is factions that have a lot of noise right factions that just have so many units that you don't know what's good um that can cause a problem i like i like to look at orcs a lot like that like orcs Mm. if you looked at like orcs when they first came out everyone thought they were going to be broken they were stupid steve pamperine won renegade open like right away with them um but then like their numbers tanked um they were still winning events uh well i shouldn't say they were winning they were going undefeated at a lot of events but somehow always ending up in second place always the bridesmaid um but like there was a distinct uh especially after not last lvo but the lvo before where they didn't get any uh didn't have any uh top eights that they were terrible right like mm-hmm. oh nick Notavati can't win with them they're obviously a bad army and I remember having these like discussions with people having to go over their their numbers and being like over and over again, orcs are still good. Like they never stopped being good. Whoever told you that is wrong. Yeah. Like, but it's because they ha- they've always they have so much noise in their codex. They have so many units that ha- are kind of subpar, and but people take them, and uh, so they they weren't an auto win. If you looked at like their bottom quartile, they're like their worst twenty five percent of their players. Like they were constantly like zero and five, zero and six, all over the place, right? They they would have like a nine percent win rate in their their bottom quartile, and then you look at like Iron Hands when they came out, their bottom quartile was like at a forty five percent win rate, which is like the equivalent of most people's mid to top. Um, but that's just how it is, uh, and that's that's I think uh, orcs are are another example, but not so much because they're such a hard army to play. Although there's a lot of models and moving parts, but it was because coming down with a list that wasn't the one or two specific lists that worked. All right, uh, next question. Matt wants to know, are the Crimson Fists viable for competitive play, or are they just living in the shadow of the Imperial Fists by essentially being the blue-armored Red Hand's little brother? Um, yes, they're in the shadow, and also, yes, they're viable? That's that's how I kind of yeah, want to answer that. They're more meta-dependent. I mean, Imperial Fists, they get the plus-of-against-vehicles bonus, and... I have, a, I have a counterpoint. Are they Space Marines? They're still <laughs> That was... That yeah. was my point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think I think yeah. I think they're competitive. I think the big problem with them has has generally been like the OP says, 
the um, Imperial Fists have always been better. And with Grey Shields being an option, uh, people like the big combo with Crimson Fists was you would like Grey Shield Imperial Fists on top of them so that you basically had that like one round of your intercessors shooting Tesla shots, um, which was super gross. You know, they're hitting three or four times per hit. Um, and it was just easier to do it the Imperial Fists way than going the Crimson Fist side. But Crimson mm. Fists have access to Pedro Cantor, and he is no slouch. He's a really and if you want to do that uh, little impulsor list with Crimson Fist, you know, with Cantor around, it makes them all, you know, extra attacks and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's no joke either. Yep. yep. All right. So John Johnson wants to know, can we finally hear about Reese's Tyranid list he was playing when this whole thing happened? I know life got in the way and that battle report never went up. Yeah. So there was supposed to be a patron exclusive battle report. Um, John Johnson did remind me of it. Uh, I can definitely still put that up. However, I apologize, patrons, so much. Um, I was going to put it up. Then the pandemic happened. Then GW closed their warehouse. And then it just went into the radar however i'll talk about that real quick essentially i played my raven guard list into reese's tyranid list um you don't need to know much about my raven guard list except that it's not unique with the exception of lias isodon and 30 sniper scouts uh so it's not one detachment so it's not re- that's unique in the sense that 30 sniper scouts is actually really bad and that's yeah, just like my little yeah. thing people were running like 20 in, yeah in i like i like deep striking t- 30 10 too many yeah that's your problem <laughs> um, I like just a bomb of 30. However, um, his list was really cool. It was a bunch of Gaunts, a Turvagon, two units of Zonethropes, a Neurothrope, your big unit Hiveguard, and Exocrine, which, by the way, the Exocrine is really fucking good. It's stupid. Holy shit. Like, the mm-hmm. Exocrine will mess you. If you don't wrap it or touch it early, like I did, luckily because, you know, I'm Ravenguard, um, you know, it, it will absolutely good. start. But shoots, shoots oh yeah, it shoots really well, and it shoots a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, so shoots all but the shoots. The thing that made the anchored his list and made it really good was the the nine Tyranid warriors moving up the board. So essentially, he had like like your standard like Tyranid list. He had biovores and Gaunts for a little bit of you know map control. The zone thropes are really good at uh, picking off elite units like like my Centurions, for instance. Uh, the Exocrine was really good at killing, getting a unit a turn kill quickly and also with the hive guard too so he was able to keep up with kill and sometimes get kill more however i bum rushed him with with aggressors assault centurions and all of my primaris intercessors basically my entire army and these tyranid warriors walked up to two intercess two 10-man intercessor squads of 20 intercessors and killed all of them it was it was crazy. As a matter of fact, if my Centurion hadn't taken like an entire round of mortal wounds and shooting lone Centurion, by the way, single dude, um, and there was a couple, like my Chaplain made like thirteen out of fifteen four up invulns on his Exocrine to keep uh b- basically to to keep the Hive Guard tied up. It it was it was bad. It was like I I basically lucked out on that game. Um, although I think I did play it really well, but those those Tyranid Warriors, if Reese had basically um, cut some of the fat in his list. I think he didn't need the Turvagon. I think he didn't need as many zone throps because they are very expensive. Uh, and he would brought another unit of Tyranid Warriors. I think I absolutely would have lost that game because they are so, so good with the Bone Blades. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of like, like his list breakdown and kind of how it all went out. Uh, it wasn't a very sexy battle report um, other than those basic things. Uh, also, Eliminators and Scouts are amazing. They're just really good. I just love mm. if you can kill characters, um, it's always good. So mm-hmm. do it. All right. Do it. Do it. Kill Anyways, 
Uh, next next question. Paul wants to know, what's the most fun faction to play at events? The faction that all your opponents have fun playing or the faction with the most ridiculous strat or combo? What is the most fun faction to play at events? I can tell you what isn't. I think it's probably Space Marines. Probably Alpha Strike. Well, it depends what, depends what side of the table you're on, I would I say. I think he... I, uh, judging by his question, I think he means just the most fun for both players. Ah. Um... Uh, in 7th edition, it was Battle Company. Yeah, uh, a, a good Space Marine army, though, that's balanced and has, like, a little bit of everything. Like, even though it's still strong, I think that's definitely a lot more enjoyable. That's probably true. Just, right? Yeah, that's that's not fair. I think the most fun faction to play, I think, is probably Orcs. I think... I, I don't think I've ever seen... Like, oh, maybe not. Peter, Peter's had some rough time as he gets Orcs. Oh, no, uh, it's it's not that. Uh, it's the back. I mean, if, if you're running, like, you know... Oh! Eighty yeah, bodies. Yeah, I know there's some. I don't. I don't know if Rich Kilton has like a cyber body or something, uh, because he doesn't look like he should be able to uh, to go through a, a full like three day event. You, you know, as, as many I, bodies as he does, but he does it. I know Rich, and I am a large guy myself, so I, I feel confident saying this. Let me tell you, Peter, it is all gut. That is where <laughs> that is his core. Because he doesn't. It's not his back. Okay, he just it's all core, stomach, strength, muscle. There's a lot of potential rippling muscle in that gut of his. <laughs> I know, he's given me big belly-to-belly hugs I know, before. me too. Me too, yeah, all the so, time. So, but, man. But, but yeah, he's a great guy. He's powered definitely by psychic energy and uh, yeah, it, it resonates from his stomach. Are. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so... Um, yeah, I think the most fun faction to play for, you per- for someone personally is probably... Um, a fluffy, well-painted army with low model count army. I think it's probably the most fun to play, um, especially if you can do well with it or semi-well with it, go three and three or something. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that's a tough question. Yeah. For me personally, the most fun faction I've ever had playing was um, Battle Company because people would come up to him and be like, Battle Company, so many free models. And then they would play and the games were always really exciting because they were always killing stuff every turn. And I was having fun because I was playing like a really competitive list that I loved playing. Right, so um, Battle Company, you know, as long as stuff is That's exactly right. Armies that lose lots of models are generally fun to play against. Because even if your opponent loses while you're playing this high model count army, they killed a bunch of your shit, so they participated. So the least fun armies tend to be the ones where they lose a model, you lose a model, and then it's close, and it's it's like, well, that wasn't very exciting. See that, or just the non-interactivity armies, where it's like, I'm going to have my turn, and you're not going to be able to do anything. Yes. It's like sports, man. People like running up the scores. Doesn't matter what, you know? Baseball was only fun when when the steroids guys were hitting home runs, like 20 home runs a game. Would you rather have a football game at 3-0, or would you rather have, like, 56-52? Which was actually, I think you just named the final score of the Rams-Chiefs game last year, two years ago. It was a high. It was one of the, considered one of the most exciting games of the of the decade. So there you go. Fun armies yeah. to play against. Armies that you can interact with and pull models. Yeah, yeah. there you go. All right. Um, uh, Brett wants to know Gene Steeler Colts viability compared to other factions and their place in the current meta. Um, so uh, I think I think they're probably like low tier dark horse. I think I think that's where I would put Gene Steeler Colt. Like. They're definitely not top tier. They would be like C tier with some potential to go to like B tier. That's where I would put them. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I sense I dissension know. in the in the ranks. No, I don't know. I think I think that Marines do give like the old Gene Steeler cult lists some trouble, and Aberrants mm-hmm. taking the hit they did 
like Muscle Beach is gone. But that buggy list is so friggin' fun. And it yeah. does it does a lot of work. And we're, we saw so many results. And I think it's only going to get better post-apocalypse. I think people will make it just the extra little tweaks that they need. I mean, looking at like Dustin Henshaw's list uh, from Barry Bash, that thing looked like a friggin' ball to play. Um, I think that was one of the main reasons he did take it was, mm -hmm. you know, needing just a change of pace, something that was like mentally stimulating that kind of like really helps. And a lot of times you get better when you play lists like that, to be honest. And uh, Jeffrey Penderada played a similar list, at least in terms of the buggies, but he went like old school with the, uh, like an acolyte bomb, etc. Like I think Gene Steeler cults definitely have a chance to be super top tier, but it's in the right hands. You need somebody that knows what they're doing, which has kind of always been the case, except for like a very early period where like, I think an idiot could have taken 40 <laughs> acolytes and just killed everything because he just had so many acolytes that were so cheap for what they did. Um, but even then, like, it, like uh, you make one mistake and that army fell apart um, because everything's toughness three with like a five up save. Right. So it's, it's intriguing. I, I, I think that they're super competitive and they're going to be right out of the gate when they pop out. I know that there's some people uh, like John Lennon that have already started picking them back up and adding a couple of Tyranid things. And if, if those guys are going back to them, there's something to be said for where they'll come out. All right. Next question uh, from Mr. Logan. Uh, his question is, uh, why didn't Death Watch get their update when the Space Marine 2.0 Codex came out? There wasn't anything specific to Death Watch on their White Dwarf update. No Warlord Traits, Relics, etc. Why does GW hate Death Watch? Peter. They just do. Like, I think, to be fair, I had this conversation as well recently with a few people uh, in multiple places. And I think the big thing, GW is absolutely terrified of what special issue ammunition will do if it's tagged onto something else. So th- they, they're going to slow roll it. Um, <laughs> we saw it with aggressors, right? Like, they were like, Boltstorm gauntlets have the bolt keyword, but they can't use ammunition because they don't actually shoot bolts. To be fair, right? if aggressors had special shoot ammunition oh, no. well that's the thing and i think we see that with everything else right it's yeah. like with death watch it's like what what do we add that doesn't tip the balance too far um because it's uh i think they are kind of balanced on a fine toothed edge and the fact that um i don't think they're super popular i don't know if a ton of people uh bought the crap out of them uh no. to be to be honest i think that's the other issue is they don't have a they don't have a huge player base they're kind of a niche army yeah well, um yeah, and you don't want tell you, a niche army to be the like to be head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the fastest way to making an army popular GW is to give it good rules. Mm. Look I no was, further. I was so sad to see that white dwarf. I was so yeah. sad. I was like, are you, yeah. you didn't even give them a single warlord yes. trait. Yes. Just one. Absolutely. And if you even need proof. If- even if they nice. just gave a stratagem for Gene Steeler cults, because they don't have one that affects Gene Steeler cults, right? Like, if they just done that, like, hey, we forgot. Here you go. You can do this now. I'd have been like, okay, you got me, GW. You got me right in the heart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I think they could probably get a little boost, but I also agree with you. I don't think Death Watch, I don't think there's a lot of Death Watch lovers. I don't think there's a lot of Ordo Xenos lovers in the GW High Command. No. Um, they, they, uh, and this is this is out of pure spite, by the way. It is not, but um, basically they nerfed, they got rid of my favorite Inquisitor, Inquisitor Valeria, mm-hmm. Helena Valeria, the Ordo Xenos named Inquisitor, and then they replaced her with a traitor, with a some with a little dragon 
uh, I think it's like a dragon pet. Yeah, they replaced her with Kitty Pride. Yeah, I was just like, just I mean, bring from Valeria the X Men. So there's that. She's the same. She's the same model. She's like a not the same model. She's like the same backstory. She's like an Inquisitor. Doesn't Xenos Inquisitor doesn't play by the rules and uses the alien technology against the aliens. And I'm just like, that's hell. Anyways, that's a rant. Moving on. Final question. Mr. Patrick wants to know, have any of you guys theory hammered on Black Legion, Demon Engines, and Dark Council with Abaddon and Disco Lords, the five plus plus cultists, literally let you screen, blah, 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 um, defilers. Yeah, so um, I've I've bounced back theories from people with uh, uh, the, um, what are what are the big, the Lord of Skulls, the Skull? Yes, the Triple Lord, Lord of Skulls list. Yeah, 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 the Triple so Lord of Skulls, the Chaos list. Yeah, so those are the only Demon Angel lists I've heard of. Uh, although Black Legion Demon list doesn't sound bad. What do you what do you all think? Well, the Lord Discordants are still. Uh, yep, Disco Lords are good. Uh, popular out there. Well, maybe not like all of them all the time, but at least like an Alpha Legion minus a million to hit one. Yeah. yeah. They're still really good, especially with all the buffs you can put on them with the Master of Possession buffing everything with demon engine keywords same with the lord distort buffing the ballistic skill weapon skill of demon engines so i think you can get a little death ball of demon engines going there yeah it all sounds really cool but again there's so many things you can do with chaos there's not one list that you can do demon engines with and i've seen lord of skulls list in action it's really good but um i'm not sure about this black legion one i'm not mostly because yeah. i don't know the mechanics behind it I've seen some, yeah. some interesting talk um, like with defilers because they're so cheap um, and with but the, and with a you know with the amount of buffs they can get um, using them as kind of like a counterpunch unit but they never really saw play I'm not I'm not sure I think that like Brandon said there's so much out of chaos um, that some stuff like this gets kind of tossed under the rug real quick because it's like here's all the combos but you have to do 18 things to make them work. Um, whereas I can just do this one thing and possess bomb will kill everything, right? Right. Yeah. Thing, so I, I will say that, so Patrick outlined a list that I actually think it sounds kind of dirty. Um, that's basically you take uh, three charging to def- three defilers and three Lord Discordants, and mm-hmm. then you back it up with Abaddon and five up in Fearless Goltis. Now that list does sound like it has some play. I don't know. How, I don't know where the points end up being on all that, but uh, a list with six. Um, demon engines within as, as I think defilers are actually pretty under cost for their points and they're chaos so they, they do hit really hard I don't yeah. like they hit as hard as Lord Discordance but they're also you know Lord Discordance are, are clearly the thing you want to kill in that list and um, a list like that doesn't sound bad you know you've got if you can shove those six demon engines down your opponent's throat um, and then your opponent doesn't have the firepower to kill the fearless cultists off the middle of the board like they need to that that could that sounds like you have some play there. So yep, like I said, defilers have kind of always been on the cusp of greatness. Mm-hmm. They, I see a lot of people talk about them. A lot of like uh, top tier chaos players, like man, if only a defiler had this, I'd probably bring it. Or they've they've kind of concocted lists around them and then pushed it aside because maybe something was slightly better. Um, so yeah, like I think if if you're running a list with triple disco, triple defiler, like. It's it's a threat overload list. It'll probably do work, and with that many cultists uh, backed by Abaddon, um, I mean, there's going to be some lists that don't care, but there's going to be a ton of lists that will like real bad. They'll be like, I can't kill that many dudes. I'm here to to kill primary space marines, and uh, you have like 150 cultists. No bueno. Yep. 
Alright, so that is it for the patron questions. Uh, thank you all so very much for listening. Before we go, I do have some uh, quick little announcements. Um, well, not some announcements, a PSA and then um, the stuff I have to use to sell to you guys. So first and foremost, we do have an advertising uh, an advertising uh, sponsor now. Um, so we're working on, I think, getting all that finalized. So within the next couple of weeks, if you start hearing uh, us talk about uh, our... our um, sponsor.com yeah it's, it's something it's something like that i don't know exactly yet we don't have the details just yet but we will start talking about that on the frontline gaming network and that will be in addition to our regular advertising advertisements as well and that should absolutely be good for the network as a whole uh, also go to frontlinegaming.org we are still open however we are um taking games workshop orders however we're not shipping any games workshop product out because we don't have we have very little of it left as you might know, Games Workshop did close their warehouse down. Um, however, Frontline Gaming is staying open still. We do need to keep the lights on, pay our employees, all of that stuff. Um, you know, we're not as, as cool as we are running the ITC. We are not a massive, we're not Google, we're not Amazon. We're actually a small company. So um, any support, if you have interest, if you want to pick up a mat, or if you want to order GW items or anything like that, all of that business does help us out a ton. And then finally, uh, I wanted to talk about how cool we've all been to each other as a community. Uh, politics aside, uh, people on Facebook have been very, very kind to each other. People have been donating masks. Um, people have been uh, helping each other out in ways. And I just think it's really cool. So, um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think that there's a lot more good in humanity showing than negativity in the world right now because of this pandemic um, and it, it, it makes me hopeful. It makes me hopeful mm. for the future. So make sure to help your neighbor, also your neighbor across the ocean, all of the neighbors, and, um, you know, be kind to each other. All right. That's well it. Well said, Pablo. Well, well said. said. Well so, said. as always, this is Chapter Tactics. If you want to listen more from Mr. Scary, Scary, where can they find you? You can find me sitting atop my spire. At uh, Scardcast on YouTube, or you can look me up on The Art of War, where we do coaching and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And by the way, if you want to get better at the game, not quickly, um, but because it's going to take a couple Meta Mondays, but uh, Scary's Meta Monday, weekly Meta Monday updates, and also uh, coaching session is definitely worth it. So I would definitely check that out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Scardcast. And Scardcast is spelled scared, but with a K instead of a C. That's right, because uh, I want you scared and scarred at the same time. Perfect. All right. Uh, Peter, where can they find you? Um, 40kstats.com, still a website. I haven't done any updates on it recently because there's been nothing to really update, but um, I'm hopeful that'll change soon. Um, I've been doing a weekly uh, kind of guest fill-in on The Honest Wargamer on Tuesday mornings, five in the morning my time, uh, so I'm super into it every every week, you guys can see, including last week where I <laughs> slept in, um, but it, but it's it's a good time, and uh, other than that, uh, you'll see me here, because I have, uh, the, the, the COVIDs have kind of taken me offline uh, due to having to also manage my children. And then finally, Brandon. With the hot take from last week's episode, I got the most questions asking about your Astro Militarum blog and how to join it. So, once again, for the people in the back, Brandon, where can they find you? Just uh, reach out to me on Facebook and I'll send you an invite. It's a private group, but it's basically 
just competitive discussions of Astra Militarum and everything about it. Yeah, and if you don't know who Brandon Grant is on Facebook, type in Brandon Grant on Facebook and keep scrolling until you hit enough 40k mutual friends and you find the dude who who's standing in front of the American flag. Yep, that's 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 him. American flag, Brandon Grant can't go wrong. Yeah, I think he's the only one. Although there's you a lot of you should change your Facebook Grants. name to that. American I mean, flag, Brandon Grant. Just don't do what you I did change and your change Facebook your name too many times, and you're never Grant. allowed to change it back. And then you have to be called the Falcon for the rest of your life. <laughs> Not the worst name. But... Is that what happened yeah. to you, Peter? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> all right. All right. As always, thank you all so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. Remember to stay safe and healthy out there. Practice that social distancing. And I will see you all next week. As always, have a good one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.